Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 21st. The sun is shining and it is time to make some friends, especially those on West Washington. Six minutes after 11, you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So let's talk about it. Big Rays, you want it? Well, you're not getting so it. So do they. <laughs> yes. I'm not kidding. Hey, you know what? Working three months out of the year, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays off, and then plus you get per diem and you get your meals paid for and a big fat raise. That sounds like a pretty good gig. Where do I sign up? So this was sent to me yesterday. And the reason we lead with this, led the show off with this, leading with it now, is because it is a big deal. Because it is a total abuse of stewardship of your money. Right, and that is what we entrust elected people at all levels to do, from township board to the United States president. They are trusted to steward our money in what should be the most effective, responsible manner possible. And in the new state budget, which was uh, which has been proposed by the Indiana Republicans. Uh, they are proposing at a time, and this is what's important, right? It is at a time where they are telling you, at very best, they are dragging their feet and going kicking and screaming to do anything related to helping you with what everyone knows are skyrocketing property tax bills related to skyrocketing assessments. Mm-hmm. And I say at the very best, because we don't know what it is yet. Jeff Thompson, who is the head of Ways and Means, who controls the money, has said, well, this is the bill that's here now, but it's probably not going to look like this when we get to April. Well, what what will it look like when we get to April? Well, we'll let you know when we get to April. Mm-hmm. There, it's not a priority for them at all. And in this budget, the other, I guess you would call it meaningful tax-related issue is they're proposing like shaving a per, per points of percentage points off your income tax. So like it over four or five years goes from goes down a couple of points like not full percentage points but like from 3.2 to 2.9 or something i mean it's nothing right it's nothing in the grand scheme to scheme of things unless you're an uber wealthy person and that probably helps you but for regular people it's nothing and we talk consistently about the where they take how they take our money and use it to grow government like so in the in the budget there's a half a billion dollars to give the governor the ability to continue to strong-arm farmers into selling their land like he's doing in Boone County. Mm -hmm. So no money for you, right? Or we'll get to you, Mm -hmm. maybe, we don't know. Whatever we do, it's not going to really help you, but we'll get to you in April. But hey, the governor wants to continue to bully around farmers, so uh, here's $500 for that. Hey, the public education system is mortally failing, and we admit that because we're putting a gajillion new dollars towards the voucher system, Mm -hmm. but... We're going to give away free textbooks to the public education system, and we're also going to give $2 billion additional dollars to public education, but it's failing. Yeah, but we're going to give it to them. Right. And, and so we just keep seeing a pattern with our elected officials by which everybody but you gets taken care of. And in the rare, random, confused, accidental act of uh, pro-taxpayer policy that, that seeps out, it's always targeted at like specific people like if you are this group if you are this age if you are this income bracket it's never like 
Here's one for the folks, right? So in the budget, they are proposing at a time where you're getting next to nothing if you're a regular taxpaying citizen, that the Indiana House of Representatives is proposing giving themselves the salaries. Now, this is just to lawmaker salaries. And mm-hmm. you can see this, if you doubt me, at uh, Rob M. Kendall on Twitter. I've posted the photo. I have a, a very kind birdie who is very good over there at 200 West Washington on digging into these budgets and finding things that are of interest. And uh, so, so I don't have to spend all that time banging my head against a wall. They are proposing raising their pay, the Indiana House of Representatives, of which there's 100, mm-hmm. by $1.5 million. Yeah. That comes out to, if we do the math... $15,000 per legislator. Now, so leadership will probably get a more, rank and file will get a little less, but on the average, these people mm-hmm. who work three months out of the year, yeah. they don't work on Fridays, mm-hmm. so they work four days a week, mm-hmm. are proposing, and they already make on average about $60,000 already, a $15,000 pay increase. Yeah. So, so that's $75,000 to work three months and not have to work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It sounds like a pretty good job. Uh, $8.373 million going up to $9.871 million. Yes, that is for the fiscal year 2024-2025. And this is just in the House. This doesn't include the Senate, so this budget could go up even further by the time uh, they're done. It it could. You don't know. Now, here I want. when Hammer was in last segment, we were talking about the general fund, right? right? Yep. And I, I want to hear your story. Well, I said they call it the general fund because they can generally use it for whatever bullcrap purpose or whatever specific donor or lobbyist appeasing purpose they want. And here is how corrupt and awful and terrible our tax process is in the state. So when I was the director for the Indiana Board of Pharmacy, that was under an agency called the Professional Licensing Agency. And their job on paper was to administer items related to licensure of specific, specific professions. And so that was, it could be doctors, mm-hmm. it could be lawyers, it could be pharmacists, it could be barbers, it could be real estate agents. And the 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 they excuse this by saying, well, you want to make sure that the profession of a pharmacist is being monitored and that they're properly continuing their education, they're properly administering their profession, blah, blah, blah. But the reality was, so when you would when you would renew your license, there was continuing education requirements, whatever. And I'm speaking just about pharmacy, but it's the same across the board. You would have to usually write a check, familiar, you know, associated with that. Mm-hmm. And what would happen is that check would come into the professional licensing agency. And so you think, hey, I'm writing this check. It's going to pay for customer service agents. It's going to pay, you know, for legal reviews, all these things. We would collect that check and then it would go into... The general fund? The general fund. The general fund. And then the professional licensing agency would have to, every budget cycle, Mm -hmm. go to the Indiana General Assembly Mm -hmm. and beg them for money for our agency. And what would happen is usually the professional licensing agency would get about a fourth of the money it sent to the general fund back to actually do the thing that you're telling the people when you're strong-arming them. Because you have to pay the fee, right? Mm -hmm. You can't keep your license for whatever your profession is unless you pay the fee. It's not like an opt-in thing. It's not charitable giving. It's not running a soup kitchen. So you've got millions of dollars by force 
from the government coming into the professional licensing agency. That money is going to the general fund to do things like give a million and a half dollars in raises to Mm -hmm. House members. And then a fraction of that is coming back to the agency. And I will never forget this, Casey. I was at one point having this conversation on what complete garbage this is and what theft this is from people who you are strong arming at a very high profile lobbyist. And I will not name this person. Uh, because as you know the rule, I don't want anyone to be risked of being tarred and feathered over at the state house for having a public association with me. And I looked at that person and I was still not totally naive because I'd already had the horrific experience of being in the auditor's office. Uh, but I was but I was still somewhat naive and believed that the means of the Republicans were altruistic and good and decent and great. And I asked the person, I said, why would they do this? Why would they take money from these people and then not put it back where it came from? Because if you don't need the money to run the agency, Mm -hmm. we're the Republicans. Why wouldn't we just be charging people less if we don't need the money to run the agency? Mm -hmm. Get rid of the fees altogether. Charge people less for the fees. You know, tax cuts, right? Mm -hmm. And I will never forget this. This guy looked at me and he started smiling and he started laughing and he said something to the effect of, it costs a lot of money to study grapes at Purdue. And if you look up, now I don't know if it still is, it's been a couple of years, there is a gigantic taxpayer subsidy to study grapes Mm. at Purdue. Why? Because someone who that organization or that group of people pays money to has influence over people in the Indiana General Assembly lobbied and lobbied for that mm-hmm. and so your money if you're a barber or you're a real estate agent or you're a doctor or a pharmacist or whatever they take way more from you than they need the Republicans put it in the general fund and then it generally goes to whatever personal benefiting cause that they want or lobbyist appeasing cause that they want, whether it's studying grapes at Purdue or giving themselves a million and a half dollars in raises, that's the scam. Mm -hmm. You're getting screwed. Okay, so we've got this big surplus and now these lawmakers want to give themselves a big raise, not taking care of, well, let's just start with something easy. Gas tax. Nope, not doing it. Property tax. Nope, not doing it. Uh, Donald Brainwater tweeted out something that I thought was great. So yesterday Eric Holcomb sent out a happy President's Day tweet Mm -hmm. and Donald Brainwater felt the need to reply to it. He said, my favorite president is Calvin Coolidge because he said collecting more taxes than absolutely necessary is legal Legalized robbery. Yes, and this is the danger when you will vote for someone no matter what because of the letter. These Republicans, I promise you, right now, they know we're talking about it. They know we talked about it in the first hour. They all listen. They know we're talking about it this hour. They're laughing because they laugh at you, because they have utter disdain for you, because they know that no matter what they do... You will at the end of the day, or they believe at the end of the day, because you've proven them right. And I'm not saying I'm not saying specific people, but I'm saying the society as a collective has Mm -hmm. over and over and over again been real big tough guys until it came time to get in that ballot box, and then they kneel at that Republican altar and they say, "Are above all else." Yeah. So of course. They're taking your money. Mm-hmm. They're, they're literally, in this case, giving it to themselves. They're taking your money yes. and giving it to themselves and putting, them, putting it in their own pocket. And they're laughing about it. And they think it's funny because they know you won't do anything about it. You are in the, they are in the club and you are not. It is 16 after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. But paradise became her prison. 20 minutes after 11, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So it's Fat Tuesday and trending this hour. It's like the Mexican pizza. I know you love these stories, Rob. The Shamrock Shake uh-huh. is back on the menu oh. at McDonald's. Oh. Also trending, Notre Dame has named their new offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese. Where did he go? He goes Alabama. Down, yeah, down to Alabama. Roll Tide. Good riddance. But, uh, oh, you didn't like Tommy Reese, huh? Well, I'll miss uh, seeing him slam his hand on the desk while we lose to the likes of Marshall and uh, mm-hmm. who is that other, Cal. Or, right. I mean, it's going to be really hard to find somebody who, you know, can live up to standards of losing to Marshall and Cal uh, <laughs> next year. But Gerard Parker is the name of the new Notre Dame offensive Sounds like a movie star, doesn't he? It does. Uh, also trending, I don't know if you heard about what? this, but I... Well, uh, you're probably thinking of Gerard Butler. Butler. Oh, that's what I was thinking. I mean, that just sounds like a handsome human being, right? You know some guy He named, is a handsome human oh, being. Oh, is he? Let's see. What? Yes. Are, uh, I, uh, I can't really see it. You got terrible so taste in men. So he's a Frenchman, because Gerard sounds French. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ger- there is no way when that w- that somebody named Gerard Parker... Maybe it's Parker, G- Jared. Jared? Jared, that's a Jared, lot different. That's way Gerard, different, Casey. Yeah. Jared... Well, it's spelled Slippy, interesting. Slippy, slappy. Maybe it's on the briefcase. <laughs> Samsonite. I was way off. It's it's G E R A D. How G G E R A D. Gerard. Gerard. No, see both of you. It's like I think it. Garrett. Mr. Parker is the new offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Okay, finally trending. I don't know if you heard about this, but a semi-truck crashed on Interstate 65 near Crown Point, and it spilled 40,000 pounds of U.S. mail out on the highway. Okay, so this is why I will not put anything in the mail that involves my personal information, Mm -hmm. because think about this, all that personal information for people. It's out there now. It's out there. Mm-hmm. It's like when I get my taxes done, a lot of people have their accounts just send it to them. Oh no, I go get it in person. I I do not put anything in the mail with personal information because, it, and this is could be nobody's fault, you know, road accidents happen all the time. Uh-huh. It's just not worth risking yeah. your personal information being floating out in the sphere. Okay, well, in this case, I think it was someone's fault. Oh. The driver was charged with drunk driving and being in possession of a controlled substance. Police said he had white powder on him. Wait, the mailman? At the time of the crash, he was the semi-truck driver. I assume it was a mail truck, but it it had had mail on it. It had U.S. mail in it. Okay, so here's a question. This is a title question. Is the person who drives the mail in the truck, but it's not the it's not like the mailman drives a truck and he will drive it up to your door and hop out and deliver the mail. That's a mail truck, mm-hmm. and that's a mailman or a mail woman. Mm-hmm. Mail woman mm-hmm. is the person who's driving the mail across the country state lines. Is yeah. that also is that also a mail truck and is that also a mailman it's or somebody, mailwoman? Somebody who works for USPS yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, it's twenty three after eleven. It's Kendall and Casey on ninety three WIBC and uh, more talk about Ron DeSantis. He was in New York. He's doing this tough on crime tour. He was speaking on Staten Island and he is kind of positioning himself as the law and order candidate in his non announced presidential campaign. Yeah, and I just. Really Realized on the template, I spelled it just Neantis. Yeah. yeah. D-E-S-N. That sounds French. 
<laughs> so I, uh, I and I said, here's the thing, Casey. I specifically remember seeing that last night and saying, there's a spelling error there. I need to go in and correct that. Mm-hmm. And all I did is just add an S to the already mm-hmm. existing spelling error. Like I didn't even fix the error, which <laughs> the is why I went in there error. to fix that to begin with. Uh, so Disneyantis was on <laughs> Fox News. Yeah. And he doesn't appear to be too worried about Trump or any, anyone else being critical of him. Uh, And then I'm also reminded that I don't think any of this would have happened, but for the weakness that the president showed during his first year in office, culminating, of course, in the disastrous withdrawal in Afghanistan. that's uh, that's him talking about Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have the one where he's talking about he was laying not being out worried the, about Trump? Yeah, he was laying about uh, he was he was laying out the dangers of being in the big city. Yeah, and he, and he was talking about crime. The misspelling kind of threw me off. No, a it's bit. fine. Just the end. You could have just <laughs> gone with go. Disney. All right, there we go. Well, Lisa, you know, if you're an if you're an office holder and you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs and not getting anything done, no one ever says anything. You can kind of just fly ever under the radar. But when you're out there leading, when you're out there setting the agenda, not just for Florida, but really for the nation, which we've done over the last few years, uh, people see that, and and the people that that don't necessarily like that uh, are going to respond accordingly. But uh, I can just tell you, uh, if people are not firing at me, then I must not be doing my job. And so I view it really as positive feedback. Yeah. So when you're a bottom feeder, nobody cares what you're doing. You're not getting any attention, but it's when you're a threat that people notice. And he's saying, if he wasn't a threat, Trump wouldn't be coming after him. Okay. So I need to come back to something very important here. Not to say Disneyantis is not very important, but um, in our YouTube chat, which you can watch the show on YouTube, Kendall mm-hmm. and Casey, yeah. somebody in there is claiming to be a male employee. Okay. M-A-I-L employee. May yeah. also be a male employee. But they said that the semi-drivers are contractors. Okay. They're not employed by the post office, which makes me even more concerned that some rando could be handling my mail. All the more reason you're not going to put something in the mail. Because I guess they fly, and this would make sense, they don't drive the mail across state lines. They fly it, and then I guess it gets on a truck Mm -hmm. based on where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. But that has me very concerned now that it's not even a post office employee that is handling the mail. It's a contractor. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if they're bonded and insured. Well, this guy was apparently drunk. (laughs) Are you bonded in church? No, I'm drunk. <laughs> hey, when we come back, yes, we have a very special guest. Everybody needs to. We got to put uh, our A game on. Yeah, uh, listen. Tell your friends to listen. Uh, our jobs could depend on it. Uh, our boss, David Wood, is going to join us. Hey, do you think what we should ask him if we can only work three months out of the year yes. and have Fridays off yes. and the weekends, and and also if we could have a fifteen thousand dollar raise, Casey. Is that a good time you dare, to do you dare that? me to make that the first question I'm going to ask him? <laughs> Please do. Okay, uh, I will ask David that question, and then he is starring now, mm-hmm. and and this is phenomenal. I went and saw it over the weekend. Yeah, he is starring on a a a, a play version mm-hmm. of the Diary of Anne Frank. He plays Otto Frank, mm-hmm. and I want to ask him about having to play such a very serious yeah. role because this is obviously it's a, an incredibly famous diary the the book mm-hmm. is you know one of the greatest sellers of all time and this stage adaption is so i mean it's interesting it's powerful it's going on right here in carmel yep. uh, everybody should totally go see it and i, and I want to ask him about playing uh auto frank and so i think if we can get the best ratings of the day when he's on <laughs> we might get to keep our jobs for another week so that everyone, would be please great. keep listening yeah the boss joins us next on 93 wibc
Good morning. It's 1133. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And at the Booth Tarkington Civic Theater is the production of The Diary of Anne Frank. It opened last Friday. And joining us in the studio is one of the fabulous actors from the play, David Wood. Hello. Okay, before we talk about this fabulous play, Casey and I have a very important question. Right. Uh, we have led, do you want to ask or do you want me to uh, ask? Well, look, I've been here the longest. Okay. And, you know, what do they say? Uh, you know, women and children first, right? So, so if I got to go, I'll, I'll take the blame. Okay. The state lawmakers are giving themselves big raises, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like $1.5 so that's like 15 K, a lawmaker in the in the, on the state house, mm-hmm. and they only got to work four days a week, right. and they only got to work three months a year. So I don't know how to ask this, but um, can we have fifteen thousand dollars, please? You know that that only works <laughs> for government employees, right? <laughs> oh, I tried, Casey. That that was a no. Uh, <laughs> they are the only ones that can vote themselves a raise. <laughs> okay, okay. So seriously, let's talk about this play. My wife and I went and saw it on Friday, mm-hmm. and it is. Absolutely awesome. It's the Diary of Anne Frank. You play Otto Frank, mm-hmm. her dad. You're a fun guy. You know, obviously, I've known you for six years now. And it was so weird. I kept telling my wife, it's so weird to see him playing this super serious role. Why did you do it? I have always, I mean, you know, because like most people, it's like I read in middle school, you know, read it. And as I've gotten older, and then also there's a wonderful miniseries, and I think it was in the late 90s, maybe maybe the 2000s, and Ben Kingsley played Otto Frank. Wow. Yeah, and it was, it was fabulous. And it's just, and that was when it really struck me that, you know, for that guy to have essentially almost outweighed the Nazis. Yes. You know, they were so... Close. I mean, in fact, they left. They were taken to Auschwitz on the last transport mm. from, on the last train from the transport station. Yeah. And almost, you know, almost beat the Nazis there, but yet lost everybody. And he was the only one that survived. And just thinking about how that had to have affected him. And then for him, to have the, and I, I hate the word overused word of courage, you know, right. but the, uh, whatever it took for him to be able to sit there and go through these very detailed, very personal uh, accounts from his daughter, mm-hmm. you know. Because I think you, the, the dad is kind of the, like, I know it's the diary of Anne Frank, it's her diary, right? But I think the dad is almost in a sense, like the star of the play like he's kind of the glue from the beginning the very first day when they show up at the at the annex to obviously afterwards he's the only one who who lives he's kind of like the thread that holds the whole diary of Anne Frank together he he was I mean because he was the um you know he was definitely the leader you know I mean uh he was business partners with the uh the father from the other family the Van Dons in the play their real names were the Van Pels but um yeah he was definitely the leader and he was the peacemaker because you know you're crowded with eight people yeah. you know in that you know relatively small space and you can't leave the sense of claustrophobia oh, terrible. that there must have been been in that place. Yeah. It's you know? awful. 
Casey. It must have been. I mean, he had to have been such a disciplined person to be able to do that. Without him, the world would never have known about the diary of Anne Frank because right. it was he who discovered it and released it later. And in the play, you give what is being called a very powerful ending speech that is truly devastating. I wrote that review. <laughs> it's from the Hamilton County Reporter. So unless you're working there, you did not. But as a man, Otto Frank had to have been extremely disciplined yes. to maintain that position for as long as he did. And you as an actor have to carry that through as well because you only really get to kind of cut loose until the very end of the play. So what is that like for you to have to maintain that level of composure the entire time? Well, and, and I tried to do it, a, you know, it was really important to me because Otto is frequently portrayed because he was so disciplined, mm-hmm. almost a flat character, almost a one-dimensional um, you know, hero on a pedestal, right. not real. And it was really important to me to, to show more of that, but still within, you know, the guardrails, because he did have to be calm for everyone, because, you know, all of them were freaking out at some point or another. And he could never do that, you know. And it, it, it just it, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was really hard. D- David Wood is our guest, uh, in addition to the guy who provides us a living. Well, I guess Urban One provides us a living, yes, but he's our it. boss. Well, he is the smartest guy in the room, because not only did he hire you, he hired Kevin, but he hired me as uh, well. So he is he is uh, still still performing, right, this week? Through, mm-hmm. Yeah, th- the shows are Thursday through Saturday at 7 o'clock. It's the Diary of Anne Frank. Where is it at, and how can people get tickets? It is at, at the Booth Tarkington Civic theater the the tarkington is the name of the theater it's part of the center of the performing arts there mm-hmm. in carmel which a lot of time you think of the palladium yeah you know but it's actually an entire complex they have you know they have two other amazing theaters the tarkington where this show is and then the studio theater, yeah which is a small black box I told my, theater. I, it's wonderful i told my wife i don't think they're gonna let us in this place yeah <laughs> it's it's spec spectacular place to see a was show. was it hard for you to memorize all your lines the older i get the harder it yeah. gets yes for, for, for real <laughs> absolutely yeah because it's a long play it's like two hours yeah well i have to imagine did the set help you transform into the character of Otto Frank because here you are at WIBC and you're doing your manager thing and you're living your life and then you go there and you become this whole other person and I got to think that the the muted tones of the set and everything kind of transform you into another place. Right, and you really don't get to the stage until the last couple of weeks. So it, you know, and the it's you you rehearse, you know, for about four weeks before you ever get to the stage, Mm -hmm. and you think that you're. It's like, boy, I think we're doing really well, and then you step on that stage, Mm -hmm. and and then you don the costumes, and it really does then begin this yeah. real transformation. Is yeah. the diary of Anne Frank next to the Bible, is the diary of Anne Frank the most important literary work ever written? It, it could be. It is just the most amazing account of, you know, what it was like to live in, in hiding. And it was yeah. like, it's just, and this is really neat too, by the way, guys, that the, the um, the the version of the show that that we are doing is not the original it is based on the original an adaptation it's of an it. adaptation of the original because when otto died in 1980 
he, you know, it wasn't one diary. It was a series of diaries and a bunch of loose papers, Mm -hmm. you know, that one of the workers that helped them saved all of it, a gal named Meep Gies, and saved all of it. And it, it, there was a lot of it that was not released because the diary of Anne Frank, the book, was edited by Otto. And there were things that he left out because he felt like they were too personal or it Mm -hmm. didn't portray Anne maybe the way he wanted her to be remembered. And when he died, he said, you know, in his will, after 10 years, the rest of it could be released. mm. So they took that additional material and have revised the script. Because we were walking out of that theater and I was thinking to myself, I thought, this girl would never know on this earth, at least, the importance that she played. I mean... Mm-hmm. Arguably, one of the most important literary works yeah. ever written, mm-hmm. and at least in her earthly life, she had no idea that it would even be a literary work. It's just a girl writing thoughts down, right? And it becomes this incredible thing that 80, 80 plus y- 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 How long has it been now? So, almost eighty years. Yeah. Eighty years on, it's still you're doing a play in Carmel, and people are filing into the theater to see it, right? Yeah. It's it's still as relevant when you look at some of the anti-Semitism, you know, and stuff that goes on in today's world. It is relevant, as relevant today as ever, about what happens when people dehumanize other people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, David Wood is our guest. He is uh, portraying Otto Frank in the stage version of A Diary of Anne Frank. Again, where can people get tickets? Everybody, sh- everybody should go. And I'm not just saying this because you're, you're my boss. It was phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, civictheater.org mm-hmm. um, or the Center for the Performing Arts. Both You can buy tickets at both of their sites. Uh, before we let you go, and I don't want to spoil this for anybody who will go, but the ending, when you all come on stage at the end and you kind of reveal what happened to the people and you're the person who narrates that, it's an incredibly powerful thing. And obviously, as the actor, I can tear up in the audience because I'm not on the I'm not in the play. I'm not suspending disbelief to somebody think that I'm anybody but Rob Kendall. They are suspending disbelief. You know, suspending belief, whatever. There, there, you are. You are Otto Frank. Mm -hmm. Is it hard when you're revealing this immensely courage, the end of this immensely courageous tale of human sacrifice, to not get emotional while you're delivering those lines? Oh, I get emotional every night. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of points in there that are really difficult. Um, We, uh, you know, we basically, you know, we hug it out backstage afterward because it's like there's always multiple people in the cast that it's just so powerful that you know it just brings. brings so that's not acting; that's just being human. It is. It is. It is. Just being human. Well, I mean, the the message of courage and hope are timeless. Yeah. And you had mentioned about the book how impactful it is the the diary translated into 70 languages in over 60 countries 30 million copies sold to date everybody should totally go see this play i'm not just saying that because you're my boss uh if you'd like to mention rob kendall sent us uh make sure david wood knows that would be helpful but it, i mean it is it's awesome civictheater.org mm-hmm. it runs through the rest of this week right yeah and it's civic theater it, it, it's theater oh. so it's r-e oh it's the french yeah. spelling civic darling theater. it's civic org. theater Yeah, David was like, you'll love this theater, Rob. It's really ritzy. It's right up your alley. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, man. And you did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Tickets available uh, and the show going on through Saturday, February 25th. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I left Oklahoma driving in a party. Good morning, 1149. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Where you want to go? You want to go with this living wage calculator or plastic surgery? Let's do the living wage thing. Okay. That's very interesting. So MIT is providing an estimate of what people in Indiana need to make in order to cover the cost of living expenses like housing, food, insurance, and other essentials. Yeah, so WTHR had the story, and then they were obviously linking to this organization that kind of put this thing together. Mm-hmm. And in central Indiana, look, I actually kind of thought this might be a little higher than what it was. Now, we can get into in a second the idea of a living wage, but uh, for if you've got a uh, family of four, two adults working, two children, mm-hmm. it, in Indianapolis, that is $104,077.77 a year. Basically, you got to make 25.02 an hour. Mm-hmm. Minimum wage is currently seven twenty-five an hour. Yeah, fifteen thousand dollars a year before taxes, and that's pretty much been unchanged since two thousand nine. But according to this living wage calculator, the average single Hoosier needs to make at least fifteen dollars and seventy-eight cents an hour, or thirty-two thousand dollars a year before taxes, in order to make a living wage. Okay, so my question to you would be, um, what sort of regular job. Now, I realize still there may be the food service industry, et cetera, where maybe some starter positions Mm -hmm. aren't paying that. But this is something Abdul has talked a lot about way before he was running for mayor, and I know he will be as he's running for mayor, and it's true. We need to be teaching skill sets to people, Mm -hmm. right? That Because if you have a skill set, what sort of job in which some sort of applicable skill set is required these days that isn't at least paying $15, $16 an hour or very close to it? I mean, things like plumbers, electricians, mm-hmm. carpenters, mm-hmm. those jobs, for the most part, are all are paying well beyond that. And most, I mean, you know, Kevin and I have talked about this before, even jobs like FedEx, Etc. Right. At, warehouse, at warehouse jobs yeah. are paying, especially if you know how to. Because one one thing I've found is if you know how to operate machinery, like forklifts, etc., mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can make a lot more. Those are all paying above that. So the idea of the living wage. Mm-hmm. I mean, most jobs, if if you have a skill set are paying way beyond that. Yeah. It's interesting that they they say a family of four living in Marion County with two working adults and two children need to have $94,000 a year to live. I don't believe that. Now, it depends on what sort of lifestyle you live. Now, you know, I mean, you know, and and that's all in the eye of the beholder. You know, I tend to think my wife and I live a pretty uh, moderate Lifestyle and and obviously, uh, you know, she has a, a child inside of her. Mm-hmm. That child's not here yet. But I mean, I feel like we we have lived and and could make it go on less than ninety four thousand eight hundred six dollars mm-hmm. collectively a year. I mean, we think about in your life how many things that you buy that you don't need to buy. Uh huh. Oh, may, I, I stopped that behavior. Uh, I mean, you may stopped it. You may really want it, and it mm-hmm. may make your life better. I'm not arguing that. Mm-hmm. But how many things do you actually buy 
that you don't that you need. need to buy in order right. to live. Like it's the, just to make you happy. The house you live in, mm-hmm. it may be like we don't live in a gigantic house by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a nice home, but we don't technically need to live in a home of that size if our income level were to mm-hmm. change. I think you could do it on markedly less money than $94,806 a year if you really put your mind to it. Yeah, you move three times uh, during a pandemic, you'll find out really quick what you need <laughs> to live. And I'm talking a bed and three spoons. But it's kind of like when you go to a retirement consultant and they say, okay, you know, how much do I need to retire? Well, it's a loaded question because it's based on what kind of lifestyle you want to live. Right, sure. You know, what you need and what you want, two sure, different I'm things. Sure. And you've had the talk with our, our buddy, Bill Demery. Mm-hmm. I know you went and saw him. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things he asked you is like, what sort of life mm-hmm. do you want to live? What are you comfortable living right. with? And this is how we kind of invest and plan your money according to what you are most comfortable with. I don't know about you, Casey. The older I get, the more minimalistic I get. Mm-hmm. Like the fewer things I actually want in my mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. And and I found that to be really more and more prevalent the last several years as I've entered my mid to late 30s. Declutter your space, declutter your mind. Yeah, like I, I, when I think about buying things now, it's like, do I even want this, do I need this? In, the, in my house? Well, and do you remember Steve Jobs used to wear the same outfit? He would have like the five turtlenecks. He was like Ernest. Right. Remember Ernest's closet, Ernest P. Worrell? And when you adapt that kind of lifestyle, it declutters everything else. You don't have to worry about yeah. what's my, what, what is my outfit going to be? We'll wear the same thing every day. Same thing every day. Let's choices, less hassle. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. Good job, and thank you for listening today. We're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. It is 93 WIBC.